Today on the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. I do a lot of work with women, especially in the audacious woman, the business women who come to me, they've always been told they're an overachiever. And if you spend enough time with them, they were always praised in their life from a young child all the way up for winning, for being the best, for getting the grade, for trying the hardest, for doing the hard thing that nobody else would do, for staying the course, for accomplishing. Like that's where they got love and validation their whole life. And now they step into business and that's the only way they know how to do it. I have to work harder than the other woman. I have to put more hours in. I have to create more. I have to produce more. I have to respond to every message. I can't let anybody see that I'm actually withering away behind the scenes. And then what starts to happen for us is the body speaks louder than the mind, right? Now you have symptoms. Hello, hello. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Jones. And today I am so thrilled to talk with Jen Pike, who is not only my good friend, but a total all-around inspiration for me. Jen is a functional diagnostic nutritionist, registered holistic nutritionist, certified yoga and Pilates instructor, and a medical exercise specialist. Most importantly though, she's a badass, and she's able to hold the space for you to be your most audacious self, which is what we are discussing today. So you better get ready. Before we get started though, I want to talk to you about something that comes up pretty often on this podcast. And that of course is lab testing. You see, testing is one essential way to understand the root cause of an illness. If you are an integrative or functional medicine practitioner, chances are you're placing a ton of orders with a ton of different labs. The Root Cause Medicine podcast is created by Rupa Health. Rupa is the best way to order, manage, and track results from over 30 different labs in one single place for free. Thank goodness no need to create and log into all those multiple portals ever again. If you are a practitioner, make sure you go sign up at rupahealth.com to create a free account today. Now, let's start the show. Jen Pike, welcome to the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. Girl, I am so excited for you to be here today. Oh, me too. I've been looking forward to this for so long. For those who don't know, Jen and I met on Instagram, and then we became friends, and then we became friends' friends, and I adore her so much that today we're talking about stress and all the stress that we take on as women and limiting beliefs and how we can step into being the audacious woman we were meant to be. And I want everyone to know that a couple weeks ago, I was talking with Jen about something and she was asking what was going on. And I told her we were going over my frustrations. And she goes, well, yeah, because this is your limiting belief and here's why, blah, 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 blah. And I'm taking notes. And I was like, oh, well, you can charge me for that because (laughs) you just hit the nail on the head. And I have spent the last couple of weeks because of what you said, journaling and working through and busting through some of these limiting beliefs. So I'm really excited to have you on today because you just so casually said it to me, like, well, Carrie, this is your issue. <laughs> like, oh, look at that. You're right. But when you're that close, you can't see it until some you talk to somebody or yeah. somebody points it out to you sometimes. And that's why I'm glad you're here today. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's that ability. And again, it, it's so different when it comes through from another woman in your life, right? Who can like really hold the space for like, I fully, I see who you are and everything that you're doing. 
more important is the who you are than what you're doing piece. And it's like, because I'm able to witness and see that when I hear you then talk about, you know, a transition or something you're thinking about or where you're feeling stuck, it is actually quite clear to be able to go in and be like, with this thing right here, I know what you're capable of. I know like your greatness, your power, the audacity that you have within you. But it's very hard for us to see that in ourselves. And even if you can see it to believe it, and then God forbid you actually like live that out loud for others to witness, (laughs) that's what becomes so scary for us. Yeah. I mean, for all of us, everyone, right? Clearly me included. For those who don't know you and don't follow you on Instagram as they should, give us a little background, who you are, what you do, what you stand for. So I am the founder of The Hormone Project and Synced. I am a functional diagnostic practitioner, and I've spent the last almost 25 years in this industry of health and wellness. I registered my first company when I was 17, and as I was going through school, I was also, I had started a personal training company, and I was teaching fitness classes, and I was working a lot with athletes, and very quickly realized for me that while that was so much fun to be in that environment and really understand what it meant to have a team and a community that helped to elevate where you were going. That's what these athletes were experiencing. I was part-time working with women at a gym where I grew up and a lot of them were mothers and they were working. And I just remember always leaving those sessions feeling like these women are the athletes of life. Like they don't have a team. They don't have like four other guys on the field with them or on the rink or whatever it is. And I was just like, wow. And I became so curious as to like, how, how are you doing it all? How are you managing it? And then I became a mother myself. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is now very different because up to that point as a business owner, I was really chasing my paycheck. I was working in multiple locations and I could do that. Right. I just had me to think about. And when I had my daughter, my first child, it really flipped everything for me where I was like, okay, I need to actually get, I need to have better focus and clarity on what I am doing and where I am being. And then I had another child and that just amplified it even more, took myself out of running after my paycheck, thought the easiest thing to do would be to create my own company and actually have a physical building and run a brick and mortar. I thought it was going to be so simple that I called it simplicity. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to manifest it all. And it was the greatest gift of life and the hardest period of time in my life. It taught me, I literally, that's where I earned my MBA in business. It's where I really, I learned who I was. I came home to myself. It taught me everything about building community and team and business. I had a whole different lens of looking through to other women who really became a mirror for me in my life of showing me, look, this is what's possible. If you don't actually make yourself a priority, you too could end up like this. And then on the other side of it, this is what's possible when you lead with yourself first. The woman who leads herself, her life is different. And so I spent five, six years building that company up. I went through lots of ups and downs, which I share very openly on my own podcast, The Simplicity Sessions About. And I just realized that there was more I wanted to create that was not in the confinement of four walls. And so I sold my company. I transitioned everything online back in 2016. Everyone thought I was crazy for creating a virtual clinic and having a virtual space. Now they asked me if I had like a glass ball that I could see the future (laughs) into. And I allowed myself to be a beginner again. And in doing that, I continued on as a practitioner, but I stepped more into this energy in this world of mentoring other women and other practitioners in business because I burned myself out multiple times. I took on way too much. 
I had fear of missing out, that if I said no to this opportunity, that that would be the thing that would not elevate my career or elevate my income or help me get to the next stage. And so I had no boundaries. I really didn't know how to say no. I knew how to take care of myself. I had boundaries around exercise and nutrition and as many of us listening to this podcast do, but I really didn't have boundaries in the areas that mattered most, which was like, how am I going to lead myself as a mother, as a professional, build my business, create the impact I want to in the world, and also bring home a level of income that creates space and opportunity for me and my family. And so it's been a lot of shifting and a lot of changing. And now today, as we sit and record this, I still run the Hormone Project and Synced very passionately but I also created a whole nother business called The Audacious Woman. And I mentor and support women, a lot of other practitioners and clinicians in building and creating both a life and a business that they love that fills them up. And I fucking... (laughs) And you know, so many women right now listening to this are like, I need that. Me, I need that. I mean, as I gave him the example... I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, you were like, oh, here on a platter, here's a limiting belief of yours. Work through that. And here's what I'd recommend. And I was like, well, God damn, that was huge. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so that's why he's like, let's get you on the podcast. I actually looked up the definition of audacious just to make sure I, from being your friend for a while and following what you do, I had a, a good idea of how you interpret audacious, but I'm going to, I'm, which I'm going to ask you, but If you actually look up, if you Google search, what is the definition of audacious? It's the willingness to take surprisingly bold risks. And I thought that was really, really good and really interesting because it doesn't need to be like sell your house and move to Europe or like it doesn't have to be bold comes in a variety of levels and risks comes in a variety of levels. And you talk about being unapologetic, like unapologetically designing the life you were meant to have. So what does living an audacious life, being an audacious woman mean? How do you, when you talk to these women, what do you say? It's really about recognizing who you are at your core and living in alignment. Like to be able to, we can talk a good talk. We can journal a good page, right? About all the things we desire to create and how we want to feel and what we want to bring into our life and the way we want to live. But do you align your actions on the same energy and frequency of the things you say you want to create, be, do, and feel? That for me is the audacious woman is the woman who she does lead her life with a level of boldness, but courage. She's courageous. She also holds a lot of grace for herself and compassion, and she can move through life in a way unapologetically where there is no such thing as failing. Everything we do is research and development. So it is literally just like pulling a layer back. What we do in the functional space, right? It's like you pull a layer back and you see what's there. You spend time on that for a period of time until another layer appears. And that's what for me, it feels like to live audaciously. It's not, you know, the reason for me that that word kept coming into my life was I was hearing about it in this different vein of like the audacity, like who does she think, you know, to have the audacity to like do that thing or that, because oftentimes we can look at how other women live and we will automatically judge. We will throw shame without recognizing it. We'll do that thing to make ourselves kind of feel better or buffer why we too aren't doing that. And so I very quickly started to recognize that. And for me, I was like, that's not, you know, her having the audacity. That's her audaciously showing up and leading herself and living her life that way. So that's for me what it means and what it feels like and where it came from. I think I don't totally quote me and I apologize if I get this wrong. I think it's Brendan Bouchard, who's the motivational speaker who talks, Mm -hmm. the growth speaker. And he talks about being at a conference and a woman 
walked in and he was next to somebody and this woman walked in full of confidence, full of power, full of all the, all the zhuzh. And the person next to Brendan said, look at her. Who does she think she is? The audacity of her. And Brandon said, she looks like she's somebody who's living her life and doesn't care what you think. And I was like, yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing is, if that were a man who walked into the room with that same energy, that same vibe and presence, the response would have been, who is that yeah. guy? What does mm. he do? Ooh, I want to learn. But no, when a woman does it, it's like the wrong spidey senses go up of like, we should be. And you and I both know this, like that's how we've been trained societally is to like have that type of energy towards other women instead of leaning in and being like, this is incredible what you're modeling and what you're mentoring. And I was very fortunate that when I made that decision, I mean, the first three quarters of my career, all my mentors were men because I didn't see any other women and moms that were doing it the way that I really wanted to. I did not want to feel like I was constantly sacrificing every minute of every day between being a good mom, being a good wife, being a good person in business, just being a good person as a whole. And I did that for probably the first 18 years. And I hit burnout after burnout. And I literally just gave the best parts of who I was to to strangers, to one-time clients, to students coming in. And then I'd go home to my family And I had nothing left to give them that were the good parts of me. Or my girlfriends would want to connect and I would just be so flat because I was exhausted from all the parts of me I'd given to everyone else. And I just remember at a very distinct moment in my life where I had this come to self-talk of, what are you actually doing this for? Because at the end of the day, if you want to create what it is you say you want to put out there into the world, you can't do it feeling like this. You can't be perpetually burned out and still create the life that, and the business that you want to. And so it were those, like, they were sliding door moments for me. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, big ones. And working with all the hundreds of women that you have, thousands, why are we so out of balance? Honestly, I think that, and I'm going to speak from experience of, yes, like thousands of, tens of thousands of women at this point now, if you look over 25 years, is we take on more than we can manage because we believe that's what we're supposed to do. We believe that the hashtag, you can do hard things, that that means in every area of our life, we are supposed to give up who we are to be the best mother to our children. We're supposed to devote ourselves to our home, to our partner, to our career. Like we're supposed to be able to have our cake and eat it too and just do everything. We've been told, you know, we are the multitaskers, that our brain operates in a different way, that we can actually manage and handle more than a man can. And there are definite true differences between our brain and a man, but not in the way that we have actually been taught. And what has happened is I think we have set women up. We've set ourselves up for the fall because we've believed this story. This is the limiting belief for us and is that our worth and our value to the world and how we are loved is by what we can accomplish and how much we can do. For so many of us, that is the root of it. And it's like, I do a lot of work with women, especially in the audacious woman the business women who come to me, they've always been told they're an overachiever. And if you spend enough time with them, they were always praised in their life from a young child all the way up for winning, for being the best, for getting the grade, for trying the hardest, for doing the hard thing that nobody else would do, for staying the course, for accomplishing. Like that's where they got love and validation their whole life. 
And now they step into business and that's the only way they know how to do it. I have to work harder than the other woman. I have to put more hours in. I have to create more. I have to produce more. I have to respond to every message. I can't let anybody see that I'm actually withering away behind the scenes. And then what starts to happen for us is the body speaks louder than the mind, right? Now you have symptoms. Yeah. So... And I think that's what happens for us is like, and then we hear another woman or we see another woman where, well, actually I'm going to back that up. I think what happens first is we create a story of witnessing another woman who looks like she's not in burnout and she's got it all together that, oh, she's so easy for her. And she must understand some like secret sauce ingredient. And one of two things is true. Either she is holding it together, barely, barely, (laughs) barely. That was me for a long time. From the outside looking in, everyone was like, oh my gosh, everything is going so great. And I was like, "Eh." and because I was praised for how good everything looked, I then didn't want to look weak asking for help. I didn't want to look weak that I actually had questions and needed support. And so I just kept up with the charade until my body wouldn't let me anymore. The other side of that that happens is that when you do see a woman who is truly living in alignment, she is that audacious woman in every sense of it. It's because she got tired of her own BS and she took radical responsibility and she started to make changes in her life. Yeah. I, there's a saying you ask myself, I'm hundred percent guilty as you know, but you know, when somebody says, I'm, are you type A or do you have a type A personality? And she responds with, I'm type A plus. Yeah. Right. I'm type A plus. Yeah. Yes. A plus plus. It's hard too. It's hard when you are like, because let's be honest, if that's how we've been known, this was me, like that was my identity. It didn't matter what my company name was. It didn't matter the service that we offered. It was just, it was Jen Pike. That's just how I was known. And that name was synonymous with, she's a hard worker. She's a go-getter. She's an achiever. She's a type A. Like she just, she just goes to get it. So if I was showing up in a way that was less than that. It was like, well, what's wrong? And are you okay? Well, why aren't you doing that? And I need you. And I talked about this just recently in another podcast where it was like, I can't blame any of these people in my life because I was teaching them what to expect of me. Like I was co-facilitating that relationship of what they thought I should be delivering and doing for them. I was doing it with my clients. I was doing it with my students. I was doing it with my team. It was, I mean, every which way you could do it. I was like, got it. That is so powerful. Oops, that is so powerful. And I hope everyone listening, she was, and us, all of us, were teaching the other people that. Like you can, I will always say yes. I will always be there. I will always achieve this. You can all, and because that other person says, great, Jen will handle it. Jen will do it. I know when I ask Jen, she's going to say yes. I know that it, and whatever, Carrie, doesn't matter. We're teaching the other people that boundary or that lack of boundary. Yeah. That is so powerful. Yeah. And it's hard because again, if our level of how we think people care about us, like for me, when I was unraveling all of this, my greatest fear was they're not going to like me anymore. I'm going to start to disappoint people. I'm going to start to say no where I've never said no. I'm going to start to let people down. They're going to go find someone else. They're not going to come to me for the support. They're not going to, they won't be part of my business or my company anymore. And the total opposite happened where what happened was, is the more that I started to live and lead from this place, women would reach out and be like, thank you so much for sharing how hard this has been for you and that you're changing and shit. Thank you for telling me no. Thank you for showing me the boundary. The simplest thing that I ever did, Carrie, that I, to this day, still get so many comments about 
is I changed my autoresponder in my emails that actually said, it's going to take me X amount of days probably to get back to you. I hope you can respect this of my time and that you create this for yourself. And I really ask you and encourage you today, what are you doing to take care of yourself? How are you creating that level of like balance and respect to your body and in your, and all of that? And the amount of women that will have reached out over the years, and even men who are like, wow, that I went in and changed my autoresponder based on that thing. So it can be the smallest things that we do that can create the biggest change. And I think it's when we are brave enough and bold enough and we are honest and we come out and say these things, all of a sudden now you create this massive permission slip for other women to be like, I'm changing it. I'm changing the thing. Yeah, which is hard. So hard. But it is necessary, which is my next question. When you have a woman that you're mentoring, or let's say a group of women, because you have the audacious woman, everyone comes in, everyone like is ready. Okay. This is me. I want to live that. I want to lead that. I want to be an audacious woman, but myself included, we are rigid in our ways. And we are often in our thirties, forties, and fifties. So we've had years of conditioning to be this. What is your first step for everyone listening going? Yes, I relate. Yes, that's me, but Oh, that's scary. And change is hard. How do we decondition some of these things? Yeah. So where we don't start is with strategy, schedule, and structure because. (laughs) (laughs) But no, that's what I do. (laughs) Right. And that's why we don't start there because what we'll try and do is we'll apply the same tactics, the same metrics, the same patterns to getting out of our way that we put in there in the first place where it's like most of us, I would say majority of women I've met in business, when they talk about there being a bottleneck, they'll say it's things like client acquisition or like not having the return on their ad spend they desire and those things. But at the end of the day, we are the bottleneck. If there's something, we are the bottleneck. And so where I start with these women, I actually do a a one-on-one deep dive with all of them. And I'm not really talking to them much about their business. I want to understand who they are. Tell me more about you. Like, why do you feel like you vibrate and you flow this way? Like, where, what's the origin of this? What's your origin story as a woman, as an individual, not your business origin story? And why are you actually here inside of this program? What is it that you want to shift? A lot of people will come in and say, I want to scale. I want to grow. I want to earn more. I want to do this. And it's like, okay, so I hear that. I see that, but we're just going to go put it in the parking lot for now because the way to, to arrive to that destination, which For every woman who works with me for the year in this, that always changes, right? Like there's no linear path to it. But really what I'm invested in spending the time in with her is helping her to understand and get to the root of why she has designed her life in this way where she's busy all the time, has no space, feels like she can't say no, and start to actually help her understand and see the first thing I want you to do is show me right now, where is there joy in each day? Where are you in your day? Where are you in your life? If you can't show me that right now, this is 100% where we begin. And part of it as well, too, is helping these women. So I don't believe in setting our lives up in a way where we're just going to manifest this and it's going to be love and light and we're just going to attract a frequency and we're just going to, our bra is going to be all crystals and that's what we're going to do. Now, I am all for the woo and I look at like I have crystals all around me, all the things, okay? That being said, I also don't believe it's all about strategy. I believe that it is about merging. It is about creating an aligned energetic strategy that works for you. Not that your industry has told you has to happen this way. Not the template that tells you it has to happen this way. There's no box within this. And so we need to first start by taking ourselves outside 
of what we think and what we've been told, what we've been groomed and trained is the way for it to be and start to have the audacity to literally design your company and your business the way that it feels most aligned for you. And that's possible for everyone. I, for so many years, was referred to as like the black sheep in my industry because if the industry said you have to turn right, and I was like, but what's over than the left? Like, what if we go down the left? What's over that way? And it wasn't purposely trying to be a rebel. I was just curious, like, why does it have to be that way? I am not you. So why am I going to build a business the same way you've built a business? Why wouldn't I take a holistic approach? If that's the way I work with the human body to get results, why don't I approach every single part of my life from a holistic perspective? So that's really where we begin is getting to understand her and know like, what's the struggle point right now? And what do you think would have to shift and change in order for you to feel the way that you want to feel? And then we spend a year together and I have incredible faculty where I introduce them and bring in different guest speakers that help to facilitate these changes. So I do not know everything. I am not a specialist in everything. I know what I'm really good at it and I really hunker myself in there. And then I go and invite in my mentors, colleagues, women who I'm watching in the world where I just like, I get goosebumps even talking about them because I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I bring them into the group to help to co-facilitate this massive shift and transformation that happens. And these women are not the same woman when they come on the other side of this. Like it, the metamorphosis that happens is unfreaking believable. And then all the things with inside their health, their business, their relationships, their finances, all of that starts to shift and reattune as a result. And I love that. With this, you talk about it being sort of this year metamorphosis. And I do want listeners, this is not a giant ad for Jen's program. However, because Jen has had such a profound impact on my life and because her program is quite successful, it's the anchoring point that I'm going to use as we continue to talk through this. There are obviously other programs in other ways, but I do want people to know, Jen said 12 months, because this isn't something, you can't listen to this podcast and go, Great. I'm going to, like, tomorrow, I'm going to change tomorrow. (laughs) By Sunday, I'm going to be a changed woman. Probably not going to happen since we have decades, as I said before, of conditioning. Because I would imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, as you're deep diving in with these women about, first of all, where are you in your day? Enjoy. And then what does it look like for you? I would imagine a lot of them go, I wouldn't know how to think of it any differently because this is how it is, right? Everybody in business turns right. So I went right. I didn't know left was an option. I didn't know to think about left. I'm Even if they're doing A plus work in their job and their role at home as a mother, whatever it is, a lot of us are conditioned to follow the crowd. And so it's hard to think there's another way. It is. And both of those two points that you bring up, the first is asking the question of what brings you joy or what do you like love doing? Probably one of the most paralyzing questions you can ask a woman because she's like, I don't know. I don't actually know the last time that I could think about that. I've never been asked that. I've never asked myself it. I've just kind of been on autopilot and or it's like, joy, my work, my work brings, and I'm like, no, <laughs> not, it's not allowed to be that thing. Can't be that one. And then the other side of that is it's like, if we've also, we were taught to stay in the lines, to color in the lines, to follow the rules, like this is the system. This is how you do and what you move through it. That can be terrifying. And it can also be really hard 
where if you've built your business up to this point with a certain level of recognition or success, or even just like your brand name, awareness, people know who you are, and now you desire to go and change something, that can be terrifying because even though it's uncomfortable to stay where you are right now, it's comfortable in terms of your knowing. There's certainty. You're exhausted, but you can do this. You've done it for how many years? I can keep doing this. The whole idea of changing the way you do everything For me, this was my experience. So when I knew I couldn't keep doing it the way that I was, the first thing that came into my head was this is going to be too much work, Jen. It's going to be more work, more time to just stay. You're comfortable over here. You could do this for another, you know, 20 years of your career. Yes, I could have. However, every single day, that voice and that whisper was getting louder and louder of how uncomfortable I was. And the biggest thing is, it was no longer sustainable for me to continue to run a one-to-one clinic and practice the way it was. There's only so many hours in the day and there's only so much of me. So if I wanted to be able to generate more revenue, if I wanted to be able to bring in more income and to create those things for myself, it meant more gen, more hours. And how could I continue to manipulate? A lot of practitioners it's like, okay, well, you could go increase your rates. Sure. Average practitioner probably needs to increase their rates by about 30% from where they're at right now. That's probably standard, but then that's going to work for a period of time. But then what you're going to do is you won't work less hours because you increased your rate. You're going to maintain or work more because you're going to be like, oh, now I'm earning more. I'm going to keep leaning into the more. And so it's building this level of trust of understanding that I really believe that those of us who have come into the world of health and being the helpers, being the lighthouses, the healers of the world, we are actually here not just to help heal others. We are here to show people it can be done differently. We are here to model a different way, not just a different way of health, but a different way of success and happiness and really living life. Like I always think about every time I get stuck in this moment of overwhelm where I'll say to my husband, I am quitting. I just want to be a cashier. I'm just going to go (laughs) push some buttons, clock in, clock out. Like I just, I can't do it anymore. What I always remember is two things. One is growing up, my dad always saying to us in the house, my siblings and I, I want you to choose something that brings you so much joy. Because if you only have excitement in the 15 seconds of when your paycheck comes into your hand and you're depositing it, and then for the next two weeks, you are dreading what you have to do to go and earn the next paycheck. You have just given yourself a job, not a career that brings you joy. And so I remember that. And then the second thing is when I'm working with women who are, they're suffering so badly, autoimmune conditions, they're not sleeping, their hair is falling out, their relationships are not in a good way as a result of all that. Like, I just want to reach through and hug her. That is the woman that I think about when I find myself in situations where I'm starting to burn out and I just hug this woman instead. And I'm like, no. And so it's hard. It's scary when you're making these bold decisions. And that's where I think that the like comparison of it being risky. So you're bold in the risky. The risk is that there is no certainty, but I'd way rather gamble on creating an uncertain, audacious life than just staying in the lane of the mundane every single day. This is why you're my hero. (laughs) That's why I have you on the podcast. (laughs) Because this is what we're going to transition into the idea of of more of limiting beliefs. I was talking about you to somebody else when I was at a conference last weekend and I was talking about 
having you on and we're going to talk about limiting beliefs. And they actually said something really interesting, very educated practitioner. And they were like, I don't really know much about, like, give me an example of a limiting belief. I don't really know much about limiting beliefs. And I was like, gosh, you know what? You're right. A lot of people in the world probably, the word limiting belief has probably never crossed their mind, their path. We certainly don't learn it in school. So can you give us just an idea of what a limiting belief is? Yeah. And I will preface this by saying, I believe everyone, if this is of interest to you, should read the book by Gay Hendricks called The Big Leap, because the entire book is about these upper limiting beliefs that we put on ourselves. And you read this book and you can't not witness how every single day you say something or do something and you're like, I'm upper limiting myself. I'm upper limiting myself. We do it all the time. So how we do it in our life is we do the yeah, but, or we have such a strong belief that, okay, as a practitioner, This is what the industry charges. This is all I can charge. So I can only earn this much. I'm only going to be able to earn $120,000 a year. That's a limiting belief. That's not actually true. That's just what you have allowed to commit. Saying to yourself, the only way I can make more money is I'm going to have to work more hours or I am going to have to add more programs. I'm going to need to have a larger suite of what I offer. It's the only way I'm going to be able to earn more money. That's not possible for me because I have kids. That's not possible for me because I still have an in-person. That's not possible for me because my school or my governing body has certain rules, restrictions and that. I'm even going to tell you in that arena, how many colleagues I have of mine who have been able to actually massage that and create something that better supports their business and their company. That's not possible for me because I'm 43 years old. I'm at the tail end of my career. That's not possible for me because I don't have the support of my family. That's not all those times you hear yourself say, that's for her, not for me. I can't do that thing because, but this is what I've always known. Those are limiting beliefs. A limiting belief is something we hold so true and so close to ourselves that we start to execute decisions in our life based on that belief that are actually non-truths. This is where you can also tie in the work of Byron Katie and do the reverse on yourself. Like, is that actually true? So whenever a woman says something to me where she has this strong limiting belief, I'm like, prove to me how and where this is true. And she can't. So it's like when we can, so my core limiting belief was always, it's impossible for me to be the kind of mom that I want to be and to have the kind of business I desire to be. It's never going to be possible for me. So I'm just going to have to work harder to try to get as close as I can to that being a reality for me. The other limiting belief that I had was if I don't continue to answer women right away, to give more, to put all the free content out in the world, if I go, if I actually want to charge what I feel my worth is, they're not going to stay with me. They're going to go find someone else and they won't work with me. Complete opposite happened. It was really scary especially to it's like, I've been in business, like I said, since I was 17. So I grew up building my company in the era of sweat equity was everything. You just, I just pimped myself out everywhere to everyone, gave all the free talks, did free sessions, did all the free things. And then when it came time to, and this is the next piece of it is we work on your money story. What is your actual emotional relationship to money? What are the things you heard growing up about money? The story in our house was, We are very fortunate. We have a roof over our head. We want for nothing in life. So don't ask for more. Be happy for what you have. Don't ask for more. Now go be of service. So here's my limit. I'm going to charge this much. We have a family that's taken care of. We're healthy. I'm going to be grateful for that. And now any other work I'm going to do in the world is going to be of servitude. I'm not going to desire to earn more because that could be taking from others. Money is dirty. Money doesn't grow on trees. Only bad people make a lot of money right? Like all of those different things. So it's even unpacking that. I had a hard time in the beginning. I remember when I did my first really successful online launch 
And it was more money than I, 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 my head as a practitioner couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that I had just earned what I earned doing a launch. And I made more in six weeks than at that time I had made in the last year net profit in my business. And I cried because I was just like so happy. And then I was crying because I was so scared and I couldn't spend any of the money because I was terrified I could never generate it again. Ah, yeah. So it's like all these different points and, and blocks that you hit are, from a business perspective, the financial information we have been taught is ridiculous. It is so surface level. It is not empowering and it doesn't make you literate in your business. And so something that we do in business is we just avoid the numbers. We put our head in the sand. We're like, someone else will just manage that. Once a year, I'll go through my shoebox of receipts and I'll, I'll take it to like the tax man and they'll just tell me what I owe. So disempowering. And so it's like one of those big parts of changing the way you do business and how you show up and audaciously take responsibility is you have to learn and understand what those numbers mean. Because just like how I look at the human body as our signs and symptoms, you call them like text messages. To me, they're another language. And part of what I love so much about this industry is I get to learn a new language and become bilingual on that every single day. When I look at money, that is the same energy I have as this is just a different language. And I have to learn how to understand what is explaining to me because there's so much power in this. And so... I think there's a lot of ways that we can step into creating these shifts for ourselves. And we've said a lot, there's going to be different things that we touched on where someone's going to be like that right there. That's the thing for me. Yeah. People will recognize it in themselves because as I said, in the very beginning, when you, it's hard, it's like you're so pressed up against the mirror until you stand back or somebody reflects it. Like you reflect it out off of me of like, well, Carrie, here's the issue. But otherwise, it's it's so close, and as you, it's our truth, even though it's a false truth, because it's the truth we've turned it into a truth, and so then it's hard to believe anything else. And then what happens is that you recognize this, and you go, "Oh, I've made every decision in my life based on that limiting belief." And so it's really cool when that happens, and it's also like you want to throw up. Yes, because you're like. Ah. <laughs> and with limiting beliefs too, money is probably the biggest one, but I have seen and found like there can be limiting beliefs around even super mundane, like silly things, like the clothes that you wear. Like you have this limit, like that's how I should dress. That's how I dressed. And like, this is how the skirt or you're supposed to wear these shoes or this outfit. And it's like, do you, this is how I need to eat. just simple things everything can have a limiting belief. It can be as big as money, as big as relationships, as big as child raising, as big as business, down to as small as how you do the little habits around your house. 100%. The friends that you, you know, choose, why you do certain things, what church you attend or don't because of limiting beliefs. And exactly when you said, when you start to realize it and really examine all the choices in your life, then you're like, Oh man. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like the next question is always like, okay, <laughs> I see that that tracks. Now what? And that's really where, that's where I just think community is so important. Having those people in your life where they're doing some level of this work or they've done it before you so that you can lean in and really understand that this is, doesn't have to be like a hero's journey that you go and do by yourself. I think that as women, we also do that as well. So maybe we start to enlighten ourselves and wake up to some of these things 
but then we feel like we are responsible for going and doing it all by ourselves. And that can really lead to our burnout and our stress and our overwhelm and so many of those symptoms that feel like a mystery. It's like, I'm eating this way and I'm moving this way and I'm taking the supplements and I'm doing the things, but why am I feeling like this? Well, tell me about how life has been in the last couple of months. Tell me about how life's been in the last couple of years. Like, you know, you and I have chatted about this. Like I lived a doozy of a last year of transition and moving and all of this stuff. And I do this for a living and I'm very aware. I am acutely aware of what my body needs to be supported. And yet life was still happening and things were going on. And so it's like when those times happen in your life, how can you support yourself in a way that's not about the external things, but like, how can you get more rest? How can you calm your nervous system? I think all of that is so important too. And just saying no, I'm immensely guilty of always saying yes. In fact, a friend of mine this last weekend was saying, I just love working with you because you're always available. And I thought, damn, Jen's going to get after me. (laughs) I have that reputation. Mm, Yeah. It's like, you don't want to be the yes woman. You don't want, but here's the thing. You have this reputation because you live life with your heart right out in front of you. You're like the carriest care bear. (laughs) It's like, you're like, the heart is just doing this and you're a helper. You see people like, this is the whole thing as well too. And you and I have talked about this in human design. Like you and I are both projectors. So it's like, One of your projector powers is that you see the best of everyone. You see the power, you see the potential, you see all of it, possibility, and you want to like help facilitate that without recognizing that for you as a projector, you wake up and have a finite amount of energy that you really have to guard. You're not like a generator or a manager and you can just go plug that sucker in and keep charging back up. And so every time you say yes to someone, there's a small part of you that you are saying no to. And every now and again, if that happens, you can recalibrate, it's fine. But if all the time there are these yeses that are happening everywhere, that is where your own vibration will start to feel itself waning. And so it's just like we recognize it and then you go in and you do the scrub. This is one of the things I love teaching women the most is like, how often do you scrub your calendar? So we know what it feels like, how good it feels to like get rid of the piles in our house and like clean stuff out. Start to look at some of the meatiest areas of your life. Like if you look at your calendar, are you like, oh, okay, like I can do this. I can, like, are you dreading it? Or do you see yourself in there where you're like, okay, this is a couple of full days, but then I have these days where I've got lots of time that I can reconnect to myself and my partner and whatever. I think going in for us as women and doing that scrub, and I would say cyclically, the best time to do that scrub with awareness is the luteal phase, the waning moon phase, like right before our body is really deciding what it's going to shed and drop and release. That's a great time to just do some reflection. What worked this past cycle and what didn't? Right, right. And how many times do we And I'm very aware of this lately as well, where we've all seen the meme that says, if it's not a fuck yes, then it's a no. And how many times have we said yes to something? Obviously, there's some obligations you just maybe can't get out of a family event you just know or a school event that your kid is involved in and you just really don't want to volunteer, but you don't have a choice. But how many on your calendar have you begrudgingly said yes to when you probably could have said, oh my gosh, thanks for thinking of me. I just don't have the bandwidth right now. Or thanks for thinking of me, but that's actually not going to work. Best of luck in the future. 
I am 45 years old and I am, it's taken me a long time to have that recognition to go. If I'm feeling really begrudging about saying yes or yes with an eye roll, then I am, thank you for thinking of me, but it's unfortunately not going to work right now. And at first it was very scary. First it was like, oh my gosh, but I always say yes, FOMO, just in case, or I don't want them to think worse of me. And now being 45 helps because I care less. And so I'm like, yeah. <laughs> And thank you, the perimenopausal yes. transition, which, you know, like we talked about those layers, it just rips a veil off where you're like, wait a second, wait a minute. It's like, I always hear Kevin Hart's little voice come in saying that when he's saying, wait a minute. And I'm like, this requires a perimenopausal pause for a second to just like, because that tenaciousness we had in ourselves in our 20s and our 30s and all of that. And when those are like our building years, there are big discovery years, there are building, we're like putting ourselves out there in the world. You hit the perimenopausal years and this wise woman is like in there waiting to emerge. And she's who's tapping you on the shoulder and she's starting to question you and be like, excuse me, did you actually hear what you just said out loud? Did you see what you just committed to? And she is the one that really, I believe, is like that inner wise woman who gets in our way and is like, I'm going to create some friction until you pay attention. And I think it, I'm so grateful for it. I'm so grateful for it. And I just think it's the more we can have conversations like this, we create that opportunity and it is an invitation for other women to do the same. Like I grew out of the years of clanking wine with my girlfriends and complaining about shit. Now we get together and maybe there is wine here or there, whatever. But now it's like we connect and have those conversations where it's like, show me your freaking soul. What are you moving towards right now? And we don't have to do anything to help the women do that. We just have to literally see her and hear her. Just hold the space. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Absolutely. And it needs to happen more often. The complaining about while venting is important, but if you find that all the people you're around are complaining or causing you to complain quite a bit, maybe reevaluate right. the folks that you're around all the time. Maybe that is a limiting belief for you. Like This is the only circle of social people that I can be around. It's like, are you sure? Are you sure? Is that bringing you joy? Is it making you happy? Is that getting you to the level you want to attain? I think that's why, you know, we, I hear it a lot from women who come into various hormone projects, think whatever it may be, is that they're like, I don't have any other women in my life who like think this way or open to this or talk about this. And so like, that's why I come and arrive here. And it's, I think that that is, we are so hardwired for not just community, but deep connection, deep connection. And it doesn't mean you have to have like 12 deep connected relationships in your life. It can be like the one, you know, that one person that you can just like drop a quick message. They don't even have to respond, but you know, they're just going to hold it for you to just like barf it out, get it out there, and then be able to move on. And I think that in our industries and business, women as a whole, working in corporate, whatever it may be, it's dropping that energy of like the competition and just start to link arms. You start to support other women. I believe that there is an energetic frequency that shifts where better things will actually start to happen for you when you can show up and be that type of person for other women as well. Absolutely. I agree. Well, Jen, as this is the Root Cause Medicine podcast and uh, the last 45 minutes have just been a therapy session for me. So thanks <laughs> <laughs> that I get to do this on the podcast. So we have been talking about being an audacious woman, living the life you were meant to live, examining your limiting beliefs. And I am all about the practical and tactical. So give us 
the like one or two, three things that you want everyone just to leave here with today to remember before we sign off? Yeah, I believe in every cell of my entire being that we were all born here for like a purpose that is so much greater than what we recognize right now. And so many of us are, we are expressing it on such a minute level because we are afraid. And it's not that we're afraid to fail. That's the easy thing to say out loud is that we are actually afraid to be seen and to succeed. And I would just encourage you hand to heart to really close your eyes, get out of nature, be still, lie on the floor if you need to, and really tap in and ask yourself on the most honest level, what do I truly desire? How do I want to feel? I think that's space number one. The second is cultivate some level of routine every day that lets you tap in. So maybe it is mindfully doing your face wash and your makeup in the morning. Maybe it's lacing up your shoes and it's going for a walk. Maybe it's having your morning coffee or your matcha in the sunlight. Maybe it's connecting with your partner. What is that thing that you do each day that can just anchor you as a reminder back into the woman that you are? And then the third thing that I would say is allow yourself to do that scrub. Allow yourself to reflectively look back at the last couple months, like, We Today, you and I are recording this with the fall equinox. We are coming into the fall season. Fall season, waning moon energy, luteal energy. This is what all three of these represent. There's no better time than right now to be really honest and erase some of the things that don't need to be there, automate, delegate. When you create space, this is where the new stuff is going to find you. Not if you keep doing what you've been doing and then just try and tack more on. So those would be my three. I love it. I love it. For everyone listening, where can they find you? Tell them all the places. (laughs) So on Instagram, I have two locations. So if it's more business you're connected to, The Audacious Woman. If it's health and vibrancy, then it's Jen Pike. And then my website, jenpike.com. I also have a podcast that is called The Simplicity Sessions. Monday is all about health and wellness. Thursdays are the audacity sessions, which is all about your up-leveling your life, your mindset, and being that audacious woman. And then I run a lot of different programs that we've talked about that you can find on my website as well. Amazing. And definitely, I recommend listening to her podcast because as you can tell, she is a wealth of knowledge, but honestly from the heart. And I've been her guest a couple of times. So, (laughs) and several of our, several of my friends, several other Root Cause Medicine podcast guests have been on as well. So definitely follow her and give her a listen. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being on today. I hope everyone listening knows why. It can feel immediately why I adore you so much. And I so appreciate everything you have dropped, all the golden bombs you have dropped for us today. Well, thanks, Carrie. And I feel the exact same way about (laughs) you. And I was just really honored to be here today. Thank you. goodness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask before you go. If you love today's conversation, would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? My whole goal is education. So positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing. I so appreciate it. And I'll catch you on the next episode.